Hello and welcome to the Do One Better podcast in philanthropy, sustainability, and social entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Alberto Ligi from London. Please click that subscribe button and follow us if you're not doing so already, and do leave us a rating and a review. It helps others to find this show as well. Today, it's an absolute pleasure to welcome onto the show Paul Ronalds, Chief Executive of Save the Children Global Ventures. So that's the impact investing side of Save the Children. They are a relatively new venture. They started in May 2022, and they are embracing impact investing, blended finance to support children by backing really interesting initiatives around health and education and unlocking capital to support children around the world. So without further ado, Paul, a big heartfelt welcome onto the Do One Better podcast today. Fantastic to be with you, Alberto. Excellent. Well, you're the chief executive of Save the Children Global Ventures. Now, many people listening to the show will know about Save the Children, uh, but I, I would wager to say that many people listening to the show who know Save the Children do not know about the global venture side of it. Uh, so why don't we start there? What, what is the global ventures all about? So Save the Children Global Ventures was created now nearly 12 months ago, Alberto, because um, Save the Children, and, and as you know, and many listeners do, is one of the world's largest uh, child-focused uh, agencies. Uh, but even given our size, um, the challenges we face are so much more significant. And so it was really clear that Save the Children needed to find ways um, to unlock significant new uh, funding pools, um, new forms of capital that we haven't previously been able to access. Secondly, that we needed to find more patient capital. Uh, and thirdly, that we needed to find new ways of intervening for children that were not just 10 or 20% more effective per dollar spent, but were three times or five times or even 10 times more effective per dollar spent. And we had been piloting across, say, the children, across you know 120 countries, 25,000 people, a range of these uh, different mechanisms and, and approaches, but it was felt we needed to, to take them to scale. So uh, May last year, uh, I brought a, a business case to the global board of Save the Children and said, we need to get serious. Let's create a dedicated entity as part of the Save the Children family, whose job it is, is to unlock those new forms of capital and to look for new interventions that, that are significantly more impactful. Uh, and hence, Save the Children Global Ventures was born and we've been uh, setting up the, the organization uh, over the last 12 months and starting to launch some of our first products. Great, right. Well, first of all, happy first uh, anniversary of the launch. May 2022 was when you when you guys took off, which is great. You're normally based in Australia, if I'm not mistaken, and you used to head up Save the Children in Australia. Now you have this global role. And I know today you're actually in London. I don't know if we could call it a bit of fundraising, but you're on a round to speak to the institutions out there, right? Those those institutional investors who, who, who might be uh, so inclined to take a look at you guys. Absolutely. So um, Melbourne's a pretty tough place to run a global organization from. So I, I am finding I'm uh, in Europe and the U US uh, a fair bit. Uh, and um, we're getting a great reception. People are, I mean, the, you know, the traditional approach has been that your philanthropic activities and your investing activities are quite separate. Uh, and I think what we saw even just today uh, is some of the largest financial institutions starting to say, well, is that really true? Is Can the world afford to, to have those two pieces so separate? Or do we actually need to find ways where we bring uh, new forms of capital in a way that has really significant impact for good? And, and from a Save the Children perspective, we think particularly of the sustainable development goals and the impact on children. 
uh, how do we unlock those new forms of capital to be able to have meaningful impact, but also to provide a return so that we are actually able to sustainably attract capital into the future? Yeah, yeah. Now, if we're looking at the SDGs that you're touching on there, these 17 Sustainable Development Goals, um, there's definitely a funding gap right now if we want to get to where we want to go for 2030. And over the last few years, if I look at the philanthropic uh, uh, research, uh, indeed, there's a lot of organizations out there that, that, that are holding big endowments. So they're doing the grant making on one side, but then they're, they're, they're doing their investments for their endowment. Sometimes they're entirely disconnected. And other times, most of the, of the impact that they make is actually through, through being quite uh, mindful about how these huge endowments are invested in and what, or what they're not invested in. Give us a little bit of insight into both the funding gap for the SDGs and how you see that, because I know that's a, that's a, a, a thrust of your uh, that underpins your your thinking uh, and also in terms of these big institutions and also those philanthropic bodies who have big endowments and being a little bit more mindful about how they invest these things. Yeah. So prior to COVID, uh, Alberto, it was estimated that there was about a $2.1 trillion gap each year between what is required to achieve the SDGs and the available resources. Unfortunately, uh, over the last really three years, we've seen that gap grow quite significantly. So the impact of COVID, of course, had a huge impact on education, on learning, on a whole range of things relevant to the, to the sustainable development goals. Uh, but we've also seen the ongoing impact of climate change and, of course, conflicts uh, like in Tigray, in Ethiopia, and, of course, uh, in, in the Ukraine. Um, so uh, it's today estimated that that gap has grown out to about 3.1% trillion dollars per annum so if we're serious about achieving the sustainable development goals by 2030 we've really got to get our skates on uh, as we would say uh, and part of that has got to be finding unlocking these big new forms of capital and it can't just be you know the philanthropic teams you know places like save the children getting 20 or 30 percent more that's just not going to close that gap uh, so uh, we've got to look about where are these big funding uh, pools that are currently perhaps not being used as effectively as they could be uh, to achieve the sustainable development goals. And there are actually, I mean, the good news is there's quite a few of them. One of them are the investable assets um, held by many foundations. Um, and some of those are large, uh, you know, well-known public foundations. Some of them are what we call donor advised funds in the US and the UK. Now, those are uh, often giving away four or five percent um, of uh, their earnings each year, which is great, and that goes in philanthropy. Um, but the more perhaps enlightened, I would say, uh, philanthropists are saying, well, of the remaining 95%, my corpus, um, should I be using some of that uh, for my mission uh, as well? Uh, and um, they're thinking about some of the alternative assets that still provide a return, but actually simultaneously looking to have a an impact on their mission. And they're particularly... Uh, the groups that Save the Children is wanting to reach out and starting to have these conversations with to say, how do we unlock more of that corpus? Um, so that's, that's there's large amounts of, of money um, there, uh, but there are um, other um, quite large uh, sums and particularly if we're a bit creative. So uh, another mechanism that, that Save the Children Global Ventures is exploring is blended finance. How do we bring uh, perhaps some 
uh, grant money from USAID or the, the British government's uh, agency, FCDO, these sorts of organisations, and put that alongside private investment. So let me give you an example. Uh, at the moment, we're looking to uh, support uh, 100 early childhood development centres in Rwanda and 100 uh, in South Africa. And USAID are uh, giving us a grant for about $1.5 million to uh, improve the capability of the frontline workers in these 200 uh, early childhood development centres. But alongside that, we're crowding in private sector investment to provide a loan to these entrepreneurs that are running these uh, early childhood development centres to expand the physical footprint. So along with the improved quality, we have improved uh, facilities uh, and together those things then have this great impact, additional impact for children. Uh, so even uh, with that relatively small program, 200 uh, early childhood development centres, we're going to significantly improve the childcare to about 6,000 uh, children per year uh, into the future. So it's those sorts of mixed grant and private sector blended finance uh, initiatives that we're also looking to do at, at Save the Children Global Ventures. Yeah. There's more and more of this blended finance thinking and every day there's something really innovative coming up. So it's, it's, so it's great that you're in that space in the front lines and sort of thinking creatively about how you can get capital and deployed in a, in a very creative way um, and engineer it, I guess, in a, in a creative way as well. Let me ask you, before we get into the um, perhaps some of this these specific initiatives like the early childhood development, the ECD in Rwanda. But in terms of where you fit in within the landscape of the endowment holders, the institutional investors, um, the discretionary asset managers that the foundations go to in order to, where do you fit in? Because you're not yourselves a financial institution per se. I imagine you need to avail yourself of the services of, I don't know, a Morgan Stanley or somebody. Uh, to actually hold the fund for you or to manage it or to engineer it for you. Give us a little bit of a flavor for where you fit in. Yeah. So actually what we've seen is the opportunity is for Save the Children to manage uh, a family of impact funds itself. Um, so as part of creating Save the Children Global Ventures, um, I've gone out and recruited a team of people that do come from those Morgan Stanleys and, and some of the other leading financial institutions, but that also have deep expertise in impact investing. Um, perhaps uh, particularly into health and, and education impact investing and brought them in to save the children. Because what we see the opportunity being is bringing that skill set and putting it alongside the traditional save the children skill set. Now, I mean, save the children, we've got literally hundreds and hundreds of uh, health experts, hundreds and hundreds of, of education experts. So we understand the education and health challenges really, really well. What we want to marry that with is the ability to create those creative um, financial transactions and to be able to effectively invest into some fantastic, uh, particularly startups in that education and health space. So, you know, we're quite a unique fund manager uh, in, in that sense, but we're appealing to um, a, a niche audience. So um, the, I would say those uh, investors who are particularly uh, focused on achieving a very strong or deep impact um, from their uh, investments but also uh, want a financial return. Um, although uh, with our products, we've got really a sort of a spectrum from what I would say is concessional, um, say some of the blended finance uh, loan transactions through to the commercial impact investment funds um, that we're running, which are intended to be quite 
commercially competitive from a financial return while achieving deep impact. Uh, and so far, I mean, the really exciting thing is based on you know our, our three years to date of experience is we're attracting some really exciting new initiatives um, from across the world that are focused around achieving greater impact for children, that three times, five times, 10 times greater impact that I spoke about earlier, but simultaneously uh, allowing us to achieve also some good financial uh, returns, which uh, you know, if that continues, will help us continue to attract more capital and scale it up. And there's a big prize here, Alberto. I mean, it's estimated that's about $1 trillion at the moment um, being managed in impact investing. And so if we can get a more significant proportion of that funding pool to be focused on really solving some of the deep social and environmental problems that societies around the world face, then that's a meaningful impact, um, a meaningful contribution towards the sustainable development goals. Yeah, yeah. And so you have this whole range from concessionary rates of return to risk-adjusted market rates of return, and and I guess everything in between and catering to different appetites. Without getting too technical, um, what are the sort of things that somebody coming in and saying, yeah, I'm willing to, to accept a concessionary rate of return, in other words, a little bit less perhaps in the market, um, what are the sort of things that they're getting involved with or, or, or achieving impact-wise that maybe somebody else would not who is looking for a straightforward sort of risk-adjusted market rates of return? Yeah, so um, th there's a variety of different things. I mean, things like uh, providing some of that loan capital alongside early childhood development centres. Um, we're also looking, um, for example, um, our uh, Save the Children Rwanda office uh, supports many, many thousands of refugees in Rwanda um, under a, a subcontract from the UNHCR, the, the U, UN's uh, refugee um, body. Uh, and uh, there's health clinics that we're funded to provide inside those refugee uh, camps. But uh, Alberto, it won't perhaps surprise you or your listeners to know that the funding we get to provide, you know, we get for that as health clinics is woefully insufficient uh, compared to the need in those sorts of places. Uh, so Another uh, interesting initiative that we're looking to do is to uh, support actually female entrepreneurs, tr uh, train them up uh, to be uh, frontline health clinic uh, workers and owners uh, and give them the training, but also some small loans which need to be concessionary so they can establish uh, low-cost health clinics on the outskirts uh, of these refugee camps and take some of the burden off um, the free service that's uh, in the middle of the camp. And that way, those that can afford to pay uh, still a relatively small amount um, do. They go to those uh, women entrepreneurs who have set up that health clinic and we've helped train uh, while uh, taking the pressure off, off the, uh, the, the UNHCR-funded health services. And that's another great example of where a mix of perhaps some grant and philanthropy money uh, plus this concessionary funding um, from maybe a philanthropist or the, a corporate partner who's uh, perhaps looking to support uh, its, um, uh, you know, ESG type activities uh, can invest. Yeah. Now, just like you have a, a range of uh, of um, offerings out there, I imagine your 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 clientele, as it were, is also quite diverse. Again, from perhaps a straightforward uh, philanthropic foundation to to an asset manager. How do you market your offering to uh to such a, a broad audience and um 
you know, so if somebody shows up at Fidelity or what have you, and they're looking at the different investment opportunities, do you appear there? Or must somebody go directly to you? Or are you going through third-party distribution channels? Again, maybe a little bit too technical, but I'm just curious about this. Yeah, so, I mean, we're, uh, because of uh, our sort of niche role, we're only focused on uh, professional, what are called wholesale investors. So we don't go out to sort of retail uh, investors. That's that's not what we're after. Um, and because of perhaps the more unique nature of, of uh, our products, we generally find it is the sort of philanthropists uh, with their corpus or family offices, um, often who are able to make quite quick decisions and are uh, really interested in potentially having in their portfolio of uh, investments something that is is deep impact. Uh, and of course, Save the Children also has many, many existing corporate partners. Some of those uh, have corpuses with their foundations. Uh, and so, you know, I was meeting with um, Johnson & Johnson and Merck and, and some of these um, corporates that, that have uh, philanthropic uh, investment uh, amounts. And so it's those sorts of areas. We do talk to institutional investors. Um, I would say um, that uh, for most institutional investors, um, what's called the ticket size is, is too small. Um, they're looking to invest 50 to $100 million. Um, our funds are still relatively small. So um, we launched our second Australian fund on Friday last week. Uh, it's 25 million Australian dollars. And so generally we fall uh, under the threshold. That said, uh, QBE, the sort of global insurance giant, uh, institutional impact investor, uh, was uh, a cornerstone in our first Australian fund. Uh, we essentially broke all their rules, I think, um, too small, et cetera. But they had been an existing corporate partner of Save the Children, uh, and they saw their role as catalytic. They wanted to encourage more of the sort of thinking that they saw at Save the Children, this blending of philanthropic uh, and uh, commercial impact investing together and, and, and wanted to support us in that initiative. Um, now, we still went through some pretty tough hoops um, to satisfy their fiduciary obligations, and I'm delighted that, that we did. Uh, but they've been a, a fantastic partner. Um, uh, so institutional investors do invest, but they're just a bit harder. Now, but despite the the um, what you characterize perhaps a slightly smaller below ticket um, fund size, the fact that you are save the children must in itself be not just a vote of confidence, but also in terms of your ability to scale up and grow and achieve your aspirations. I think you couldn't be in a better position. Yeah, and I think that's that's what's uh, really core to why I'm so excited about this, uh, Alberto. If we can get an agency like Save the Children with that extraordinary reach, that extraordinary platform, if we can marry that with these fantastic interventions in education and health, uh, and if we can get that sort of secret source to work, we can accelerate massively both the impact uh, that those entrepreneurs are able to have as well as their financial return. And perhaps an example might really help uh, your listeners sort of crystallise it for them. So one of the investments that we've made through uh, our commercial impact investment fund uh, is into a business called ThinkMD. ThinkMD was started by a really smart group of uh, US-based doctors with long experience working in emerging markets and particularly with low-educated community health workers. So most uh, frontline community health workers in places like Bangladesh, for example, probably haven't more than finished primary school and their um, health training is, is fairly limited. Um, the uh, software product that ThinkMD have created 
helps those frontline community health workers be between 90 and 95% as effective as a US doctor in diagnosing child and maternal health issues. And so uh, for Save the Children, we're able to put that software product on a tablet, uh, give that to uh, our frontline community health workers, uh, not just in Bangladesh, but around the world. And you know, we estimate, uh, make them about three times more effective at diagnosing those child and maternal health issues. Now, three times is fantastic, but that's across a workforce that's about 600,000 people in Save the Children's case. Um, so we don't employ those community health workers. They're usually employed by the local ministries of health, but we support them with training and capacity building. So it's a three times improvement across 600,000 people, frontline health workers that are seeing, you know, in and out of villages and communities, uh, ensuring that, the, you know, those mums and those kids get the right diagnosis. And that's really exciting, uh, significantly more impactful per dollar uh, impact uh, right there. But it's a, a SaaS model, so a software as a service model. And so from ThinkMD's perspective, it's also a great business proposition. Um, Save the Children, as we're rolling this out across our global network, will be the largest customer to ThinkMD probably by a factor of 10 or 20 times. Um, uh, and together, we're going to have this fantastic uh, impact. And, and, I mean, that's what gets me out of bed in the morning, Alberto. I mean, uh, I'm a father of three. Uh, I know every time uh, your children get sick, you get worried and you want to get the right diagnosis and, and heaven forbid that they die. Uh, and if we can make those frontline health workers that better at, at diagnosing those issues, we can get those kids into getting the right sort of medical care. Wow. I mean, that's transforming the kids' lives. It's transforming the families' lives. It's transforming communities. Um, that's the sort of uh, exponential impact um, that we want to have through this initiative. Fascinating. Fascinating. And these initiatives, uh, how do they come about? So are they, and just to understand the sequencing or, or the, the logistics of the whole thing, are they initiatives that Save the Children is doing and then they come up to you, tap you on the shoulder and say, you know, how can we package this from a financial angle and how can that work? Um, you mentioned healthcare workers, you mentioned J&J. &J. I remember I had Ben Davis on the show and he used to run Johnson Johnson's uh, philanthropy side, big on, on healthcare workforce. Um, is it a question perhaps of you reaching out to such entities and designing an initiative? Give us a little bit of insight into that. Yeah, so actually um, what we're really trying to do is look around the world uh, at all of the entrepreneur, entrepreneurial activities that are going on, particularly digital and data-focused ones, because that's where we think we can get that exponential increase in impact. And say, so let's bring the best entrepreneurial talent and give them access to Save the Children's platform. I think that's the sort of secret source that we're looking. So absolutely, we're not closed to homegrown initiatives. Um, they could be initiatives that come through uh, our existing operations. But to date, uh, all of our investments have been into external entities. Uh, and um, by bringing them in to save the children, by giving them access to not just our platform, but some of the donor relationships that we have with USAID, for example, with the British government, with the Australian government, uh, we can help scale them much faster uh, and make them more financially sustainable um, than they would uh, have otherwise been. So some of those uh, investment opportunities come through our country offices. ThinkMD was already being piloted in our Bangladesh office. Uh, and the Bangladesh country director sent me an email and said, oh, Paul, I know you're now running this impact investment fund for Save the Children. We're doing this really great work with ThinkMD. I know they want more capital to expand faster. Would you be interested in an introduction? 
So that's a great way to get sort of proprietary pipeline, if you like. But uh, we've also got a lot of relationships with university social incubators and accelerators around the world. And I think, I mean, it's, there's a bit of a difference between sort of social entrepreneurship and mainstream entrepreneurship here. Uh, in social entrepreneurship, there's often small grants, $50,000, $100,000 from, say, a university social incubator or accelerator that gets you started. But actually, between there and being able to access mainstream or commercial uh, funding, there's often this sort of valley of death. And so we see this particular opportunity for our impact investment funds to come behind that sort of perhaps grant or, or very early stage investment uh, and provide that scale-up investment uh, alongside the, the platform support uh, that, that we have. So uh, universities and, and other incubators and accelerators focused on social and environmental issues really love the partnership with Save the Children. Uh, as I do more of podcasts like this, the word gets out, I get more cold calls. Uh, I get probably one or two people reaching out every week via LinkedIn, uh, my LinkedIn profile saying, hey, Paul, I think this is a great idea. We're changing the world for children, but we need more capital. Uh, can you, you know, let us know? So that's great. And then there are co-investment opportunities with likes of, of Johnson & Johnson. So you're right. They're looking at a whole range of really interesting initiatives. Uh, and in fact, at the moment, we're both looking at a, an investment um, that we might do together. Uh, because it aligns with Save the Children's mission, it aligns with Johnson & Johnson's uh, interests, it could be quite exciting. So there's these sorts of opportunities um, and it's you know it's why those conversations can be not just about will you invest in our funds, but actually can we also do some co-investing? How do we share pipeline? How do we together collaborate in a way that makes it more likely we'll all achieve the sustainable development goals? Sounds like you're having quite a bit of fun connecting the dots here. Yeah, I mean, that's... Uh, what I see is the, is the opportunity here. I, I think, Alberto, we're only going to solve the most significant social and environmental challenges that this planet faces if we bring together the best of government, the private sector and civil society. Uh, it's They each have something unique to contribute and without all three of them collaborating in a way, we're not going to get the scale that we need to solve these problems. And, it, and if you like, that's where Save the Children Global Ventures sits, at the intersection uh, of trying to actually solve, um, you know, bring together those three parties to have much larger scaled impact on these these challenges. Mm -hmm. So the deal flow origination, which a lot of times is actually quite challenging for impact investors, that's not something you're struggling with. It's not. I think we've seen something like 300 opportunities in the last six months across the education and health space. We've only made eight investments. So um, we've said no a lot more than we've said yes. Um, but, you know, particularly with our first fund, uh, we really want to, uh, as, as it were, hit it out of the park. Uh, we want to achieve really super impact with really strong financial returns because, you know, this is a long game. We want to really demonstrate to investors that this is a commercially competitive uh, opportunity that you can also have this deep impact on. Uh, and um, that's, that's how we transform the world together. Great, great. Anybody interested in finding out a bit more about everything? Because we only have 30 minutes here. Where, where should they go to? Well, uh, there's lots of information on the Save the Children Global Ventures uh, website. Um, so uh, scgv.org. Um, people can uh, absolutely go there. Of course, um, it's not hard to find me uh, on social media through my LinkedIn page. Uh, connect with me there. Um, if you've got a great idea that you think can transform the world for children, um, then you know, I'm uh, definitely interested in, in hearing from you. 
and on your deal flow origination, you're quite open to or, or open-minded in terms of what you're looking at? Well, it needs to be aligned with Save the Children's mission. So our three global goals are uh, a healthy start in life for all children. So that's a sort of really strong health uh, orientation. Every child gets a quality basic education. So that's our education focus. Uh, and then no child is subject to violence. Um, and uh, so that's our sort of child protection um, uh, focus. So areas around that or what we call the enablers. So we have invested in a great uh, fundraising AI business um, that is making Save the Children right around the world um, far more effective uh, at fundraising. And, and again, if we can save money in our fundraising, that's more money for children. Um, so that's that's a great outcome. Uh, and of course, we're also quite involved in, in climate change um, uh, issues because uh, quite frankly, if we don't solve climate change, uh, everything else we're doing for children won't make much difference. Mm, absolutely. Now, the, the whole venture here is, is fairly new, but you're a veteran of Save the Children. So give us a little bit of insight into your, your, uh, both your personal narrative and your, and your professional trajectory. Well, I was mentioning earlier that uh, I think the secret to unlocking solutions is to bring together the best of the private sector, government and, and not-for-profit. And that probably reflects my background quite well, Alberto. So I started off life as a corporate lawyer, uh, doing venture capital and private equity and, and those sorts of things uh, with a large firm called Herbert Smith Freehills that some people might know. Uh, I then moved into technology startups, the first dot-com boom, as it were, uh, I started um, with some friends, uh, what we hoped would be the Amazon of Australia. Uh, we ended up selling it to Qantas uh, some years later who used it to, to power their um, uh, frequent flyer program uh, behind the scenes. Uh, I then moved into uh, domestic NGOs. I spent um, a number of years in Canberra, Australia's capital, working for two Australian prime ministers, heading up social policy under Kevin Rudd and Julia Gillard before um, moving back to Save the Children uh, for nine years as the, the chief executive in Australia and the Pacific. Uh, and for the last year, I've been the CEO of Global Ventures. So uh, a bit of a uh, roundabout way of getting here. But I think, you know, the learning that I have, I can I can speak corporate, I can speak government, and I can speak uh, civil society and translate uh, across all three. Sounds like you, uh, sounds like a fun ride. Yeah, um, it's it's fun. Uh, I, I mean, I often ask people from the corporate sector to take a, a large uh, pay cut when they come and work for us. Um, and I promise them a, a rich life rather than a life of riches. And it, it's certainly what I've had. Uh, I get to visit some of the you know, most extraordinary events, uh, Asian tsunami, uh, droughts in the Horn of Africa, um, refugee camps around the world, some really tough stuff. But I also get to see humanity at its, at its absolute best. Um, you know, frontline workers turning up day in, day out, uh, doing extraordinary things, um, for uh, our communities um, is really inspiring to me. Mm, very good, really very good. Tell me, is there a key takeaway that you'd love for the audience to keep in mind after they finish listening to today's episode? Well, I think um, you know we often come to some of these issues with a sort of scarcity mindset, Alberto. And I would encourage uh, everyone, all of us, um, to come at it with a sort of mindset that there's actually plenty of money um, money is not our problem. We spend three times more on ice cream than we do on uh, humanitarian responses globally. I think we spend 40 times more on cigarettes um, than the, the, the humanitarian response. Our problem is not money. The problem is we've got to create incentives that means more capital uh, is going to those innovative and entrepreneurial ideas that are going to have much greater impact uh, on the sustainable development goals. 
Uh, and that's that's my mission. That's the mission of Save the Children Global Ventures. And you know, uh, I would love to be speaking to audience members that are, are interested in joining us with that. Absolutely. Well, first of all, here's to your continued success. But but also just to underscore the point, I could not agree with you more. The problem is not the money. <laughs> There's an abundance of money if you're looking around London or New York or many of the other places where a lot of these big outfits are based. Um, but it's a challenge. It's a challenge. Absolutely. Look, thank you so very much uh, for joining us and joining me on the Do One Better podcast today, Paul. It's been an absolute pleasure hosting you on the show and, and I wish you success driving forward the Save the Children Global Ventures. Thanks very much. It's been wonderful to be on the show. Perfect. And that's a wrap. Thanks very much for tuning in. As always, you've been listening to a great chat with Paul Ronalds, Chief Executive of Save the Children Global Ventures. For information about this conversation and more than 200 other interviews and case studies with remarkable folks in philanthropy, sustainability, and social entrepreneurship, just visit our website at leadji.org. That's L-I-D-J-I.org. Please click that subscribe button and follow us if you're not doing so already. And do leave us a rating and a review. It helps others to find this show as well. Thoroughly enjoy producing today's show for you. And I will catch you this Monday.